Now for an episode in our series, Trying Something New. We're talking to women who've made a career change or picked up new skills post 40. As the retirement age rises, many of us will work into our 60s and even 70s. Time to channel Eos, the Greek goddess of new beginnings, with her insatiable desire for love and adventure. Sounds good? Okay, so are we retraining or rethinking? We want to hear about how you did it, why you did it, and was it worth it? Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Today we're going to hear about trying something new. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Nice to be here. So I think we can reveal, Rachel, that you and I are very old friends. We went to school together. Very old. Very old. We're old in many ways. But you, for most of, well, all of your career, have been a primary school teacher. Yeah, pretty much. There's been a couple of breaks and I've tried something different. But yeah, for most of my adult life, I have been a teacher. But recently, you have become a stand-up comedian and we want to hear all about it so did it start where do you think we should start with the tweet or the comedy course which came first um okay which is chicken and egg isn't it um rachel my friend rachel sandbrooks is a, a comedian she's been on the comedy circuit for many years and she kept kind of saying oh you should do this comedy course you should do this comedy course and i kind of thinking oh, yeah it might be a good laugh well it ought to be really for what it is <laughs> Or maybe um, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, um, Rachel, for our listeners, how old were you when this thought came in, when she was saying this to you? Oh, I guess mid-40s was mid-40s. when the okay. idea kind of was initially planted. Right. Then the tweet was in 2016, and I did the course in 2018. So the, the, the tweet came first. And then I did the, the course. But yeah, in, in between, sort of before that, Rachel had planted the seed of, of, of the right. idea of doing a course, but I hadn't followed it up. So this is all until... in your late 40s, basically. Yeah, mid to late 40s. Mid to it, late it, 40s. Kind of, so yeah, let's, yeah. let's let our listeners in on what the tweet was and what chain of events <laughs> it set off. <laughs> okay. So I was watching the Glastonbury footage on TV and uh, Barry Gibb was on. I was going to flash my t-shirt, but there's no point. <laughs> she, Rachel Barry. has already shown us her Barry Gibb t-shirt, <laughs> but unfortunately we can't see it on the podcast. Yeah. So I made a joke about, um, I said, it's a shame that Barry Gibb hasn't got more of his own material. Now, he'd uh, first become a boy's own, then take that, and now steps. At that time, because <laughs> he's done... I'm still finding word. it funny eight years later or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Six years later. He'd, he'd done words and how deep is your love and then tragedy. So, and then a couple of people said on Twitter, or oh, wonder how many people are going to fall for this one or wonder how many people take the bait kind of thing. I got, I started getting a few likes and a few little comments. And then um, someone called Georgia came in and told me that actually Barry Gibb had written those songs. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he wasn't doing cover versions at all. <laughs> and then it the, the, it just kind of descended into, it, it was just chaos. I kept getting notifications. There were more and more people coming on and saying, actually, Barry Gibb did write those songs. They're not cover <laughs> versions. You don't know what you're talking about. A few days later, I got a tweet from a man called Bob who said, you're an idiot who knows nothing about music, which then became my Twitter bio, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, so there was all this kind of chaos going on, and what, that, that it was it, it it very much split the Twitter community. 
So on the one hand, you've got people who didn't get the joke and were piling on, trolling me, basically, saying, oh, you're an idiot. Barry Gibb wrote those songs. God, get over yourself, kind of thing. And the other camp that totally got it. And celebrities were piling in as well. I had Dara O'Brien and Gary Lineker and um, Piers Morgan. <laughs> I'm impressed he got the joke. That, that's... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it it, it made the new it, it made GMTV and actually uh, the showbiz correspondent for GMTV interviewed Barry Gibb about a week later and asked him about the joke. <laughs> I saw that interview. <laughs> and Barry Barry got the joke. So it it, it all it all kind of went in, in a lovely sort of cyclical way and, and and it was it was great because a lot of alongside the idiots that didn't get it um lots of people did about five years after that in, in 2018 i took the i, I made a show about it yeah. and took can, it to birmingham comedy festival can i let's go back to the all the comments because mm. frankly if i was being trolled i wouldn't like it you know, how did you yeah. feel about it when it when it all started? I mean, you handled it, I know, because I saw the responses. And that was one of the things David Baddiel said was so yeah, great yeah. about it, was that it, it wasn't even the, the... It was about the build-up of the comedy, the initial tweet, the people who didn't understand, and your yeah. responses to them that made it such a Twitter storm. So yeah. do you, how, I, I did, guess, how did you feel at the time? I guess I, I had the benefit of not the more I, I knew I was right. I knew that I'd made <laughs> a silly joke. So I was I was quite comfortable in my almost arrogance, I guess, because I knew I was right. It didn't matter to me that people thought I was an idiot that didn't understand I think that's the, the genius of Barry Gibb. Sorry, I think that's the definition of Twitter, isn't it? That everybody thinks they're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was just I was just batting everybody off and, and just saying uh, but I did I did it in quite uh I didn't I, I was trying my best not to do it in a snarky way and I think that's what people noticed I think that's what David Deal picked up on I think he said someone said I had the patience of a saint <laughs> is that is... because do you think that's your primary school teaching skills coming to the <laughs> maybe maybe I was maybe all those kind of trying I, I spend most of my day trying not to swear <laughs> at, at children <laughs> That is so a core that, competency. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that's something we? Do you think we gain that with uh, with advanced years? Do you think as we um, more self control? Yeah, more, more self control. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. It's a tough. It's a tough thing to do though when you're being tested like that. So I think <laughs> that kind of. I, I think I was kind of maybe it was the my, the teacher in me that was exercising that restraint and patience with people. But also I think me being kind of me being kind of quite kind and gentle in my responses was actually added to the comedic effect it wasn't intentional yeah but i guess looking back on it i was saying things like oh thanks for pointing that out i had no idea and obviously yes there was a quite a heavy level of sarcasm in there so <laughs> what i said about not being snarky no forget that <laughs> but i think I, you're I allowed tried... in this situation for a small snarky <laughs> but it's yeah, an interesting so I... introduction into i mean it's like a trial by fire in terms of launching yourself as a comic or a funny person yeah because yeah, I, I never really saw myself in that way i mean people have always told me oh yeah you're funny you're a good laugh da, da, da. 
but it actually having that as a label as a comedian I, I still I still can't quite take it on yeah it's, it's I'm just, struggling it's... as one of your oldest friends to find you that funny actually Rachel but... <laughs> It's a burden. <laughs> so tell us a bit about the course. So the, the tweet storm happened. It calmed down. You got a lot of amazing attention. Yeah. And then, so tell us about the course. And again, so you're sort of mid to late forties now on a course with what kinds of people? A really broad mix of people. There were quite young people. And actually um, two of the girls, I say girls, two of the young women, sorry, who were on the course with me. Uh, have now actually that their comedy career has really taken off. They've had nominations for awards. Amazing. They're doing Birmingham Comedy Festival. Um, my when you passion, say young, how old would you say they were? Early twenties. Early twenties. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there, there was there was them in their early twenties, and then uh, me in my mid forties. I think there were a couple of people older than me as well. So it was a really broad mix of ages, and I think the gender split, obviously, on the, in the comedy scene, is male dominated so i think there were more men than women i think there were probably about six men no eight men four women something like that yeah it it, it was a nice bunch it was a nice bunch of people yeah and and what was the impetus to go on the course like what what pushed you to finally do it it was the year that it was actually the year of my 50th birthday i did something that i um often do which is i started something but didn't complete it Carol, I will testify that. I think we all. I think we all do that. You know. Yeah. So I started a blog, uh, which was fifty before fifty. Fifty things that I wanted to do before I turned fifty, and that was in the July of um, it was twenty nineteen, not twenty eighteen, obviously. So yeah, so twenty nineteen, I started this blog, and I invited people to suggest things that I could do before I turned fifty. Rachel suggested a comedy course and I, and I was thinking okay well now I have to respond to that because yeah. I've, I've put it out there in the universe that this is one of the things that I want to do before I'm 50 so then I went ahead and did it. So how long was the course? Uh, it was six weeks so we had six sessions learning about things like stagecraft and like how to stand and how to hold a microphone you know the basics but also looking for funny things and just crafting and 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 once you've found that funny thing how to deliver it how to exaggerate and um you know truth never let the truth get in the way of a good gag um (laughs) and and just kind of finding those funny little stories and about how to craft them and deliver them so that they land and yeah did you at any point in the course wish you'd done it in your 20s or did you that's a good question I don't tend to do that kind of, I, I, I've tried to break that thought process of, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner, or I wish I hadn't done that, or I wish I'd done this at a different time of my life. Because I think that can that kind of thought process can actually be quite crippling. It can hold you back, or it, it can it can stop you enjoying something in the moment. Yeah, that's a really and good I way think, of looking at it. I, I think, so I try, it's very, very hard not to. Yeah. And did you ever look at those 20 year old girls and or women, sorry, and, <laughs> um, you know, think, oh, I wish I'd 
I wish I'd done it then. Or do you, did you feel that it was the right moment? Because I well, think well, in life, yeah. I mean, there, maybe there isn't an answer to it. It doesn't matter. I think that there are times in your life as like we're all, we, we all seem to be programmed with the, you know, you got to get on and do these things but yeah. i think what what even i are looking at is actually there is a right time and in your life to do things and sometimes that is later in life and there's a yeah. benefit to it and it's unique to each of us you know there is no set timetable that's oh very much yeah yeah totally agree with that i'm not a i'm not a believer in kind of fate of you know things happen for a reason or things will happen for a certain at a certain time because that's when it's meant to happen well, I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there is something in that. I think if I'd done, if I'd gone into comedy when I was in my twenties, I would have, I, it would have been, I, I would have failed. I, I think it would have been quite a frightening environment for me to go in, especially back in, you know, if you think about when I was in my twenties and you know late eighties, early nineties, the comedy scene was still quite toxic. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and it, it, it is still toxic. There is still a lot of especially toxic masculinity there's a lot of misogyny it is still very male dominated thankfully it's a lot different now to, to what it was like in the 80s but I still think there's a lot of work to go and I think if I had got into it back then the kind of person that I was back then in that environment would not have got on no that's a really good point yeah. and um I was part of a comedy improv group yeah at I that remember. point yeah, yeah when we were in our 20s and but the types of venues where we could get gigs, you know, tended to be very pub orientated. They mm. were expecting male comedians gag after gag. It was mm. it was tough, you know. Mm. I think things have changed for the better, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think also just being a bit older and less influenced by those environments and what you should be doing perhaps yeah you know i think that that's the benefit of doing it when you're older is that you are a little bit more hardened and you're a bit more savvy and well, you can sort of take it on the chin a little bit more well let's face things stand-up isn't teaching just stand-up comedy <laughs> <laughs> every single day <laughs> yeah it is you get you get in front of a bunch of 30 people who are not ready to listen to you and <laughs> are completely disrespectful and uh, have yeah that have yeah they they don't respond to social cues yeah it is very similar to that <laughs> yeah and then just one other thought I was thinking about listening to you about you know how it was how it's different doing it when you're older do you also think not only are you more resilient but also you're not as dependent on the comedy succeeding. Yeah. And that's yeah. a that's a real freedom, right? Oh, to feel definitely. that way. Yeah, definitely. You've got the freedom to fail, and it doesn't matter. Because you're and, still working, aren't you? You're yeah, you're, yeah. I'm you're still working, working full time. Yeah. Um, I mean, the comedy has taken very much a backseat. COVID put pay to that, really. So let's go back, and, actually. So at the end of your course, what did you hmm. do at the end of the course? So at the end of the course, we all did. We had um, a showcase. So we all did five minutes in front of a, a packed house. At the, at the pub that the course had taken place in that was really good and then I looked for spots at open mics in pubs which yeah it went okay got some good how, gigs out of that how did you I mean how did that feel as a middle-aged woman rocking up to a pub to an open mic yeah that, to, me, <laughs> to me that sounds that sounds terrifying yeah but, 
you know so it's, it's it's funny people say oh yeah what you're doing is amazing you must have so much confidence and and it, it, it's so daunting to do but it just felt quite natural for me Absolutely. I mean yeah I was nervous but I guess it's because maybe it's the teacher in me I'm used to getting up and performing to you know rooms of disrespectful people <laughs> <laughs> so it was just maybe for me it's just an extension of the day job really <laughs> um, so yeah it didn't it didn't phase me at all and and I'd, I'd come back buzzing from every gig it was it was a really nice part of my life yeah that's fantastic and then you put together a show that's right I did oh I did the um I was in the, one of the heats for funny women um and that was really good that was a nice experience oh, and brilliant. then I put together the show called I started a joke which was the show the story of the Barry Gibb tweet took that to Birmingham Comedy Festival and yeah that went down really well packed room and everybody liked it so that was in October 2019 okay amazing. and then I booked in to do Brighton Fringe in 2020 oh dear I think I know where this one's going <laughs> you know what's coming next yeah don't are you thinking um, of reviving it are you thinking of doing more shows where's where's your head at I, about the Barry Gibb show yeah I don't know see I the the one thing that's stopping me is that oh it's old it's old news but actually the great thing about the show is that it's always funny yeah. I think there's there's quite a timeless appeal to that kind of interaction and and the responses and my responses and the, and the way that the media picked up on that I don't think that will age so yeah it, it it's something I might think about but it's not at the forefront of my mind at the moment. So what are you doing at the moment? Back in February I went to visit a local brewery in Sturchley. In Birmingham? In Birmingham. Just yeah. to place it for yeah, our sorry, uh, podcast yeah, Sorry for those of you that don't know Sturchley. Sturchley is kind of like a hip and happening suburb of Birmingham and there's a brewery there called Attic. And, um, I just went there with a friend and I was looking around I was thinking this place is great. Do you know what would work really well in this kind of place? A comedy night. <laughs> Fortunately, one of my friends, Pip, um, knew the manager at Attic. Rachel and I went down for a meeting. We discussed the possibility of running a comedy night at the brewery. Well, it's a brewery. It's like a tap house, you know, like the right. Yeah, sort of right. Yeah. Next, part of the brewery. I had my first night in March. I invited March this my year. Local... March this year, yeah. yeah. We juggled around looking for names. I wanted to go with a kind of pun on some kind of laughter that you have in a place that provides beer. And I came up with Brouhaha. I like it. It's a top name. It is. It's It's brilliant. (laughs) I was quite proud of it. And I mean, people might not know what a brew, where the pun comes from, but for the the listeners amongst you that don't know, a Brouhaha is a kind of, a bit of a ruckus, a bit of a kind of, maybe a controversial event that generates lots of interest and discussion and argument. So, that as a name, and then I called it Brew, as in B R E U, but W, ha ha. Um, I thought it was perfect because it's it's comedy in a brewery. So yeah, that was we had a first night in March, and uh, so you've, yeah, that s- went... you've set this up basically. Yeah, yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Now as I say, it originally started with, with Rachel and I. Um, Rachel's your comedy enabler, isn't she? Whispering ideas into your head (laughs) and then vanishing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she gave me the idea for the course and and we were going to go and do do the night together. 
Um, but then she, the night of the event, she got COVID. Oh, dear. So she had to pull out and then um, just left me to it, basically. So you were comparing? Yeah, yeah, I MC it. Yeah. That's amazing. I got, I had, uh, I think, eight local comedians that I knew from the comedy circuit, um, including the two young women who I'd been on the course with. They were one of, uh, they were part of the first night. Fantastic. And um, yeah, it it was really, really good. We had over 100 people in, sold out, and then we had a bucket collection at the end for the for the acts and yeah we, we, we took a good good amount it was really well received is that running monthly now it's well i wanted to run it monthly but the brewery has said they want to do it quarterly okay so mm. i've done three now yeah that's and, amazing um the last one i managed to get louisa omelin to headline which that's... i was really pleased about and she was lovely fantastic tell us a bit about louise for anyone who doesn't know her okay so louise is she now lives in birmingham she's been on the circuit years and years and years she's just done a a run of gigs celebrating 10 years on the comedy scene she's a very strong feminist voice and yeah she was just really down to earth and lovely and um yeah it was really nice to, to have her on the bill brilliant are you are you promoting women comedians? I suspect you are. <laughs> Is there a few more women on the, uh, on the list yeah, than yeah. men? Well, it's actually, I've deliberately made it female heavy. But then, you know, I do like, I do like to give men an opportunity as well. <laughs> they um, have a voice too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to get that message out there that men can be funny too. <laughs> Um, I think we so... can all support that. Yeah. <laughs> but so in all do... seriousness, it's good to be paying it forward and you know and helping those younger women come through. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a bit of a quandary in the last one because I realised it was actually fifty-fifty uh, male-female split. So I've got to make the next one a little bit more female-heavy. But it, it, you know, I like to think that I'm doing my bit to redress the balance, redress yeah. the gender balance in comedy. Definitely. Do you think it's a different type of venue to the ones that we were faced with in our 20s? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's night and day. It's it's a really nice room. The demographic that goes to the brewery is, is it's, it's just a really nice kind of accepting audience. And that there's just that kind of gentleness in them. But, but obviously, you know, they get the they get the humour. But that it's not it's not a room full of men for yeah. one thing um well i yeah. think when you say room full of men it's that sort of that pub culture that yeah, we yeah. experienced in that sort of period in the 90s wasn't it where yeah it was it was a different a different environment and expecting a particular type of comedy yeah yeah this this crowd is much more accepting and tolerant and forgiving and yeah they're, they're, they're a lovely bunch it's they're That's really good. nice people that's amazing. So, I mean, obviously you're still working full time as a teacher, yeah. but what's the plan for you comedy wise? Have you got other ideas? You're just going to stick with Brewheart? Is that enough of a balance? Because obviously, think, you know, you're working as well. Yeah, I think now that I've got Brewhaha, it's now, well, by the time I've done the fourth one, it'll, I'll have been running it for nearly a year. I'd like to keep it going for as long as the brewery will have me. And there are lots of acts out there, so I don't think there's any shortage of talent to tap into i'd like i'd quite like i don't know it's the the problem for me is that i'm very tied to my work Mm. um you know professionally and financially i can't see myself 
unless I have a windfall in the next few years, I can't see myself breaking out of that. I can't see myself being able to go part-time or take early retirement. So, um, Would I you think like I'm... to? I mean, how do you feel about the comedy as opposed to your teaching career? Would you like to do it full-time? Is this something that you see as a career or just <clears> something... I don't... I think... I'm probably I'm probably going to talk myself out of that one because I think I'm going to do the, the old age thing. I think at my time in life, if I could wave a magic wand, yeah, I think that's what I'm asking though. Yeah, have, if I, I could if I could get all my base bills paid, yeah, and if I wasn't financially reliant on comedy, would I want to do more of it? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. The thing is with comedy, it's not just a case of rocking up at a pub and standing in front of a microphone. People don't see the whole process before that, the oh, writing, cool. yeah. the, the practicing, the editing, you know, honing it down. And if I was to do that as a side hustle alongside teaching, I'd, I'd struggle with that. I think if I was going to do it, I'd, some of some teaching would have to go at least. I'd have to go at least kind of go part time to free up some time for writing and getting that process, giving the time that it needs to that creative process. The great thing about do, uh, this is gonna, doing a bit of a disservice to my comedy colleagues, actually, is the nice thing about running an night as an MC is that I'm not as dependent on my own material. Yes. I can, I can, I can do a couple of one-liners. I can do a couple of kind of topical inserts, but actually, I'm not there for me. I'm there to enable the other people to to to, to succeed and to have a good gig. When when that falls, you know, if that if I was to take on and and do another show, I mean. I might do a, another Barry show. Um, it's 10 years now since it actually happened. Maybe I, I could have done a 10th anniversary show. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe something um, else will happen and it'll put it all back in the frame and you'll, you'll, yeah. you'll find <clears throat> maybe a different... I just, yeah, maybe do another stupid joke on Twitter and see where <laughs> that goes. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm just looking for material. <laughs> you please, you've done this. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, yeah, it's it's... And it, it wasn't, the great thing is it wasn't, it wasn't planned. I didn't sit down one day and think, oh, do you know what? I'm going to make a funny joke on Twitter that some people might not get and some people will. And then I'll wait for the media attention and then I'll write a comedy show about it. And, you know, it just didn't happen like that. It was yeah. very organic. And, and I think that, it, I, I, I like that. I like how things sort of just fall into place and happen I think you know, it's without. opportunity, isn't it? I mean, something happened and from <clears> it came opportunities that probably you would have always liked to have done. Yeah. But it came at the right time. At the you right know. time. And it's, yeah, in the yeah. circumstances prevailed to, to enable it. Yeah. 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 Now that you've tried something new and it is a real departure from, although, you, you know, you've said it's not that much of a departure from your day job. You know, <laughs> it's, it, there's a lot of similarities. Mm. Has doing this changed your outlook either on life or work in, in a in a new way, an unexpected way? I think I've always had a bit of a comedic outlook on life anyway. You know, I, I look for the funny things and I, I take the piss out of things. And I think it's it's made me see that actually, do you know what? If something goes wrong, it doesn't matter. Okay. And I think it has built my my own resilience a little bit more that um, I can kind of roll with the punches a bit more and not let things affect me in the, in, in a negative way. I, you know, I can kind of 
bounce things back and, and just say, yeah, it's okay, this is bad, but actually in the great scheme of things, it doesn't matter that much. Do you, and think, it's, it, do you think some of that comes with age? Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's a combination of those factors. I think it's, you know, you try and see the funny side of things and you try and look for the funny things. Um, but also, yeah, as age, you know, that experience of life and dealing with all sorts of different situations and different people, you just, it, it's something you learn. You, you get better at dealing with stuff. Would you have any advice for other women who are thinking about trying something so new or so different in their middle yeah. age? Yeah, just do it. I, I'm very good at talking myself down. And I would say to anyone, just don't do that. Just just do it, you know, grab the ball by its horns and any other idioms you want to think of and just do it. And if it works, if you do well at it, then that's brilliant. But if it doesn't go as well as you expected, it doesn't matter. You've, you've done it. Just just doing it is the thing. And, and what whatever happens after that, just go with it and don't I think it's a female thing isn't it to kind of set to have high expectations of ourselves and to set ourselves against the standards of other people or definitely to, definitely to think that oh I've, I've you know I'm, I've, I'm doing this thing I've got to achieve certain criteria in order for it to be successful but actually just doing the thing is a success yeah. and I think we measure, we, we measure ourselves far too much and, and that is that is quite a damaging thing I think that's really wise and I think it also comes back around to what you were saying earlier about the rest of us think that what you've done is amazing whereas to the person doing it they might think yeah, yeah. but I've fallen short from this other criteria this imagined criteria that I've set up for myself or I've internalized in mm -hmm. some way but you're right what you have done is amazing and it's, we it's just funny, should recognize I don't see it. it that way it's yeah. just I'm doing the talking myself down thing but yes no. thank you it is that's what I need to do isn't it when people say oh that's brilliant you've done really well I just need to say thank you thank you yeah, yeah absolutely I appreciate it and it's funny just I just thought of something you just reminded me of something that um that happened just before I did my Barry Gibbs show I went to see a Bee Gees tribute band in Birmingham <laughs> of course that's like a warm-up for you isn't absolutely. it absolutely I think I messaged the band on Twitter asking if it was possible to meet up with them and have a little chat and whatever. Um, long story short, I got to meet the band after the show. Someone introduced me. No, I think I went up to them, actually, and I said, Hi, I'm Rachel. And one of the band members said, Oh, the comedian. Oh, wow. Um, I Well, because I, I, they knew cause that I was doing the comedy show. Yeah, and yeah. right, right. And I was like, Oh, my God, what do I say? And my normal response would have been, Oh, well, no, some people call me that, but I'm not really. I'm a teacher, actually, and I just... Uh, but no, when he said, the comedian, I went, yes, and shook his hand firmly. That's excellent. So, that is the way to go. That is the yeah. way to go. And I think that would be... That's a good moment to... Um, and the podcast today, we have been interviewing and talking with Rachel, the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much yeah, for telling us all Thanks about this. Me. It's been really good fun chatting to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know about it. We also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40. Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at rightside40 or Instagram at rightsideof40pod. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing and mixing the original music.